Hey there, I'm Ruby Jones, the host of Schwartz Media's daily news show, 7am. This is The Weekend Read. Every fortnight on the show, we feature the best long-form journalism in Australia, read to you by the people who wrote it. Today on the show, author Sophie Cunningham, on why we're still logging native forests. She begins her story with the last roll of white office paper to ever be produced in Australia, the final sheet rolling off the mill in January of this year, before it closed for good. What follows is her reporting on how and why native forests are still being cut down, despite our knowledge that this is not the best or most efficient way for us to get timber in this country. So, so for the last time that you and I spoke, you were telling me about criminal gangs that were going to old-growth forests and illegally cutting down trees. Today, you're going to read a story about the very legal business of cutting down our native forests. So to begin with, why did you start to look at this story? I suppose I've been looking at it in a broad sense for years. I've been following the story is probably the best way of describing it. But the specific uh, trigger for this article was the closure of the white paper mill in Mary, at Maryvale. Mm. Yeah, you talk about how Australia has one of the longest histories of plantation timber in the world planting non-native trees for the purpose of cutting them down. That's something that we've done for a very long time. So why did you want to kind of draw out the history of the timber industry in that way? Because I always find it interesting to go back to (laughs) origins, if you like, and the reason why settlers invaded Australia in the first place was to get timber, seals, whale, you know, just kind of to get stuff. And that sort of way of doing business can be very hard to shift I was interested in trying to develop a constructive intervention in what's become a very stuck debate to talk about ways in which we could grow timber sustainably rather than just using extant forests or what is left of of the existing forests as a way of feeding our mills. Mm. So when you're reporting, you're looking to shift the way we think about this issue, I suppose. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And because plantations do have a a dark history, if you like. A lot of clear felling was done in the early days of native forest to plant plantations. I think they're now associated with bad news. And yes, they are monocultures. They're not, you know, as diverse as native forests. But given that the clearing has been done, given that we need timber and given that we want to try and save our native forests, I did want to kind of think about how we could work with plantations going forward rather than just sort of getting stuck on the fact that their origins were, you know, some really unpleasant things were done in their name. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for your time and I'm really looking forward to hearing your piece. Thanks for having me. Coming up after the break, Sophie will read The Cost of Native Forest Logging from the Saturday paper. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The last ream of white paper produced in Australia 
rolled off the Opal Australian paper Maryvale Mill on January 21 this year. It was a significant moment. For the workers who lost their jobs, for the consumers of white paper, most of us, and for the forestry industry in general. Nippon, the owner of the mill, blamed the closure on reduced availability of timber in the wake of both the Andrews government's announcement in 2019 that it planned to phase out logging in native forests by 2030 and a series of court cases between Vic Forests and environmental groups that had halted logging in some areas. The Victorian Greens' response to the mill closure was to introduce the Sustainable Forest Timber Amendment End Native Forest Logging Bill to Parliament in the hope of ending native forest logging in June this year and bringing forward transition payments for affected workers and communities. About the same time, the Federal National Party Member of Parliament for Gippsland, Darren Chester, issued a statement that said, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews' plan to shut down the native timber industry was a plan to kill country towns, to kill wildlife and to kill Australian jobs. One question is why Chester thinks stopping logging would kill wildlife. But the more pressing one is why the Andrews government wants to prop up an unsustainable industry for eight more years. There have been indications for decades that logging in depleted native forests was leading to a collapse of forest ecosystems and imperilling the logging industry that relied on them. The catastrophic bushfires of 2019-20 have exacerbated the situation and climate-related disasters will take an increasing toll on the forestry industry, among many others. Just before those fires, the Andrews government set aside $200 million to keep the native forest logging industry alive until 2030 and to save about 500 jobs. That said, up to 200 employees at Maryvale look set to lose theirs. And this month, Vic Forest's chief executive, Monique Dawson, told the Supreme Court that the organisation has had to pay close to $40 million in compensation to clients and contractors it could not supply with timber, a bill that went straight to the state government. In short, the current solution doesn't seem to be keeping anyone happy. Certainly not those who believe that logging in native forests should continue, nor those who are calling for an immediate cessation to that logging. Nothing captures the counterproductive nature of the Victorian government's strategy to keep everyone happy better than its promise to protect old-growth forests. Specifically, the 2019 announcement read, 90,000 hectares of Victoria's remaining rare and precious old-growth forest, aged up to 600 years old, will be protected immediately. However, as journalist Michael Slezak reported in November last year, at the very moment the Andrews government was making this announcement, a crew hired by Vic Forests was clearing an area on Mount Delusion in East Gippsland that included 28 hectares marked as old-growth forest. Since the announcement, it has become increasingly difficult for existing native forests to be categorised as old-growth. If fire hits an area, it no longer counts. If 15% of the trees in a logging coop are considered to be regrowth, the forest will also be excluded from protection. An old-growth forest needs to be senescent, meaning in decline, but you can't protect forests by protecting only its oldest trees. To state the obvious, to have old trees, you need young trees and an environment in which they might reach maturity. As Dr Michael Feller, a member of the Victorian National Parks Association, has argued, the emphasis appears to be on creating technical loopholes rather than actual protection. A decade ago, Vic Forrest acknowledged in a submission to State Cabinet 
that logging was not profitable and had not been for many years. And in the most recent financial year, the organisation recorded its largest ever loss of more than $52 million, as reported by The Age's Mickey Perkins. A report by the Liberal Party-aligned Blueprint Institute titled Logging Off recently argued that saving the forests we have left would generate more in tourism, water supply benefits and carbon credits than cutting them down. It also stated that Vic Forest has become increasingly reliant on state government grants, grants that are not publicly disclosed or accounted for in annual statements. The Parliamentary Budget Office recently calculated that ending native forest logging in 2023 would save Victoria $205 million over the next decade. The suggestion from Nippon, Vic Forests and other interested parties that the opal plant ran out of timber because environmentalists stalled logging in native forests demonstrates a preference for stoking culture wars rather than developing constructive solutions. The court cases have taken place in the wake of a number of reports that Vic Forests was logging illegally, failing both to protect endangered species and to regenerate the forests they had cleared, and allegations of their involvement in spying on and harassing scientists and environmentalists. The rulings have been, in most cases, against Vic Forests, though some cases are still before the courts. A report released by the Auditor-General on October 6, 2022, found that Vic Forests was not being effectively regulated and that the Office of the Conservation Regulator was not able and possibly not willing to take appropriate action in response to the illegal logging. A successful forestry industry does not have to be reliant on logging in native forests, but we tend to see the relationship as inevitable. The justifications for this date back to one of the reasons Australia was colonised in the first place. The assumption that natural resources are there to be exploited. Government promises to supply Australia's paper mills with timber date back to the 1930s and were based on another assumption, that those native forest resources were endlessly renewable. Fast forward to the present day and the Andrews government finds itself attempting to manage multiple lobby groups, including the Victorian Association of Forest Industries, wanting to win in marginal seats, the Maryvale Mill is in the Latrobe Valley, and attempting to allay the CFMEU's concern for its forestry workers. Given that Australia has one of the longest histories of plantation timber in the world, and that timber is of adequate quality for paper production and building materials and is usually more economical than logging in native forests, we should be turning to our plantations to help us transition to a more sustainable timber industry. But here is another problem. Victoria grows about 3.9 million tonnes of eucalypt pulp logs to make paper and wood chips every year. Yet 2.9 million tonnes go to China and Japan, export markets that date back to the 1970s. According to Professor David Lindenmeyer, quote, diverting 10% of that plantation timber would alleviate the timber and paper crisis in Victoria. We could process just a quarter of that for our own needs and you would have more jobs in the forest industry than you have now. It seems like such an easy fix that it's hard to understand why that diversion isn't happening. Again, the problem is a historical one. From the 1920s until the 1990s, native forests were clear-felled so plantations could be planted. The clear-felling ended with the regional forest agreements of the 1990s, coincident with the privatisation of state-owned plantations in most states and the federal government's 2020 vision. 
a plan that hoped to expand plantations through private investment. While plantations are now planted only on already cleared land, the National Party, among other groups, lobbied against the use of cleared land for growing timber, and Australia has yet to develop a culture that sees growing trees as a form of farming. Nonetheless, this is the kind of policy mechanism that the Andrews government hopes to achieve with its recent investment of $120 million into a plantation, which a private company, HVP, will match almost dollar for dollar. This is a welcome development, as the inherent time frames in growing trees to a harvestable size, at least a decade for wood chips and 25 years for sawn wood, is a financial disincentive to farmers. They are also concerned about bushfire risk. The Professor of Forestry at Australian National University, Peter Kanowski, told me that the industry has a chicken and egg problem, which he compared with the current housing crisis. We simply don't have policy mechanisms to deal well with the intersection between long-term plantation investments, private plantation ownership and resource security for industries, he said. This problem gets even knottier because it's considered easier for growers to put timber on a ship in Portland and send it around the world than to truck it 700 kilometres across Victoria. The growers receive better prices on their export product than they would on timber sold locally. Hopefully the spread of HVP plantations in Gippsland might mean that some of that timber feeds mills in Victoria rather than overseas. If history teaches us anything, it's that no government decides to end logging native forests out of the kindness of their hearts. And every government seems to hope they can make the hard decisions to shift to a sustainable, renewables-based economy without alienating key stakeholders and voters which means that no government wants to be the one in power when yet another paper mill closes, more jobs are lost and an industry collapses before another has established itself. One of the biggest challenges of the environmental and political mess we find ourselves in is that the only way to adapt to what's coming next, or at least dodge the worst impacts, is through long-sighted and clear policy and planning, decades ahead. But long-sighted and clarity are elusive. Election cycles are short, and trees, they take decades to grow. They would, if left to their own devices, survive for centuries. And it seems as if white paper is already out of time. Weekend Reads, you can subscribe to The Weekend Read in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.